Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Today we're talking to John Carrington, the CEO of Zverse here in the Midlands of South Carolina. John's company started out as a software company, as a lot do these days. But the pandemic came and hit his company like a Mack truck at 90 miles an hour. And he had to, he had to pivot into becoming a manufacturer. So listen as we talk about how a software company starts making things and how that made all the difference for Zverse over the past 12 months. John, thanks for joining us today. We've got John Carrington, who is founder and CEO of Zverse uh, here in Columbia, and uh, just to have a conversation about uh, pandemics, face shields, and maybe some, some lessons learned. But John, if we could start, I guess maybe at the beginning, where, what was Zverse doing and where were you sort of a year ago before the pandemic hit? Yeah, so uh, Zverse is a digital manufacturing technology company. Mm -hmm. um, it still is today, was before uh, the pandemic. And our mission in life for you know, several years has been to create the fastest path from ideas to manufacturable files. To, okay. for one, which have become manufactured parts. And uh, we specialized in design and software to automate you know, the conversion of 2D engineering data mm -hmm. into, so think about drawings, mm -hmm. uh, engineering drawings, uh, converting that into 3D CAD data that can be manufactured using 3D printing technology or injection molding or, or something else. And so, you know, before the pandemic, you know, we were working with and still working with like global manufacturers mm -hmm. that were already thinking about supply chain issues and how they build resiliency in their supply chain and reduce their inventory carrying costs and, and all these things that they can accomplish with digital manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And we were served as sort of an enabler to that. Right, so through our software and services, uh, sort of accelerated uh, the digital transformation, if you will, okay. of uh, supply chain. So you sort of would take a sort of a sheet of paper, like you said, with a drawing, apply your process and technology to it so that someone who made those things could actually make it. Because you can't really take a sticky note and turn that into a product, I guess. Right, um, yeah, exactly. So. Today, there are billions of parts, I mean, many billions of parts out there mm -hmm. uh, that only exist in analog 2D engineering drawings. And um, that, you know, is a, um, we'll, we'll probably get into it later, but um, in digital manufacturing, everything starts with a CAD file. Mm -hmm. And so for companies uh, or governments that are looking to, you know, have a distributed manufacturing or hybrid manufacturing uh, sort of process, uh, they have to have CAD data to do it. And today, most of those organizations uh, just have, yeah, like I said, billions of files that are all 2D. Mm -hmm. And so we help convert all that data into 3D. Okay. So a year ago, you were, you were converting along, you were, you were taking those things and helping manufacturers, and then a year ago happened, mm -hmm. what changed? Besides everything. Yeah, what well, didn't change, right. Um, you know, so it's interesting. I mean, almost exactly a year ago, um, you know, the world sort of inverted 
And, you know, <laughs> for us as a company, one, we were really concerned for obviously health and safety sure. of everyone, but also the health of the company. Mm-hmm. And all of our customers were, you know, stopping manufacturing and they were, you know, trying to figure things out themselves. Uh, and in the course of about two weeks, as everybody had gone home remote, or everybody's kids are at, at home, mm-hmm. uh, we were you know, just trying to sort out what we were going to do, uh, what was going, what was life going to look like, and we started receiving just urgent requests from uh, from hospitals and government agencies, uh, like like requests like I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, CFOs of hospital systems calling you at nine o'clock at night. Um, Typically, those people are pretty difficult to get in touch with, right? right? Anybody who sells into <laughs> medical. Um, but for them to be calling you uh, and uh, pleading for ventilator components, face shields, masks, all this sort of stuff, and asking what we could do. So they were asking almost for a finished product. They certainly, it doesn't sound like they were asking for a drawing. Right. No, yeah, they're asking, hey, they didn't even, most of these people did not even understand what it was we did. They right. just know that we are known for product development is how they understood it. And so we were getting requests, hey, we need, um, you know, the first request was, I need 5,000 reusable protective face shields uh, like tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, you know, can you 3D print that? Can you design something and 3D print them for us? And uh, so the answer was yes. And we started, you know, immediately, responding to that. Did you have 3D print capability at the time? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've done that for a long time. Okay. And so so you had the sort of the, the engineering and the drawings piece, sort of that conversion part of your business, but yeah. you also had the, the, the ability to 3D print even then. Right. I mean, so we have rapid prototyping okay. capabilities, and that's, you know, really where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we do that all day long. Uh, so we were able to respond really quickly and go from literally a request that didn't even have a drawing, but, uh, you know, designed something and instead of kind of going through prototyping, it was literally into just here's a finished product immediately. And so that was on, let's say, a Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we had another request for 50,000. And by Friday, we had another request for, I think, 100,000. And uh, which was, you know, all unsolicited. What's it, what's it like as, as a founder and a CEO to have, you know, you, you understand what it's like to go to the market and say, here I am, this is what we're doing. Here's a problem that, that you have we'd like to solve. But what's it like when the flow sort of reverses where the market is just pounding on your door saying, no, this is our problem now, John, please solve it. What's, what's that like? Is it fun? Is it scary? Is it... All the first thing I would say is bizarre, bizarre <laughs> because okay. that never happens, right? Um, honestly, it was uh, it was a mix of all of those things of being exciting, but also it was very scary because from a health and safety sort of, uh, um, it was scary in the sense that we were getting a view into hospital operating rooms. Mm. Uh, we were getting a view into hospitals in a way that TV uh, cameras uh, couldn't tell the stories. What were you seeing? I mean, we were having uh, 
you know, both personally and through the company, I mean, we're getting inbound from everywhere of doctors, nurses, mothers of nurses who were mm. pleading for PPE mm. uh, for their either themselves, their uh, loved ones, uh, their team. Uh, we had an anesthesiologist who, uh, you know, said, I, I went to Lowe's last night to try and get some wow. stuff for my team. He was mm. like, we don't have anything at one of the major hospital systems. And that was, I don't know, it was scary in that sense because it really, you know, here in South Carolina at the time in March of last year, you know, we weren't seeing much. I mean, I think this week, you know, yesterday, somebody posted a photo of this, but yesterday, a year ago, I think we had six cases in South Carolina. And um, it just got real really quick of, mm -hmm. that this is something really serious and people are uh, scared, which scared us, <laughs> to be honest with you. How quickly did the demand, it, from what I think you're saying, it, the demand started out maybe fairly local, if you will, mm -hmm. um, sort of with maybe within South Carolina, but how quickly did that extend uh, outside of the, the state? So it's interesting um, when, you know, in 3D printing, uh, so we were able to, to start production very quickly and respond to those initial requests very quickly. But once the orders got over 100,000, um, 3D printing is not great for that. If you need 100,000 of something, okay. you know, next week. Um, 3D printing is really fantastic for if you need low volume, complex geometry, um, and you need something very fast. But if you need in orders of a million units of something. Um, injection molding is really the technology that you would use to do that, mm -hmm. which is a longer process to, to go to tooling and, um, and all these things. I mean, it usually takes weeks to, to get set up before you produce the first product. Um, so we had a decision to make as a business. Uh, we don't know what's on the other side of this what's going on right now. You know, everything is shutting down um, and including a lot of our customers. Uh, we can only 3D print 1,000 a day at the time. Okay. Wow. And we have orders right now for 300,000. Mm. And uh, so we made a decision really quick to move to injection molding, which meant taking longer, but we could actually then scale after we got set up. And also it required a, a considerable investment in tooling costs, you know, right out the gate. And um, so made that decision, you know, fairly quick and were able to then scale from 1,000 units a day to 120,000 units a day. And when we were able to do that, word traveled pretty quickly uh, that we had volume, that we could produce, you know, millions of units. And that then attracted some really large outside. What was the time frame from making that decision to, um, dare I say the word pivot, into injection molding to when you were starting to ship at, at that volume? How many, how, what time frame did it take to, to make that a reality? A day. I mean, One day? Uh, between the time, I mean, it was a Friday when we had the orders, you know, in the span of three days, it went from, had not even received a call, to three days later, 
I have now orders for, I think, 200,000 units at that time. Uh, recognized we couldn't fill that demand with 3D printing alone. And, uh, and so by Saturday morning, decided we've got to move to tooling and invest you know, a lot of money in, in uh, scaling that. And so we started putting the, the balls in motion to do it. And within, you know, two and a half weeks, we had our first tool uh, producing 5,000 units a day. And then by the end of that week, we were up to 30,000 units. And then we, you know, just continued to grow. It's typically not done like that. I mean, <laughs> that, that was moving at the speed of light. Yeah. Um, and in fact, everyone I talked to when I would, you know, was trying to rally this effort, everyone said, it's not done like that. <laughs> well, and perhaps it was moving at the speed of at the speed of your market. You know, I think that, you know, when we all kind of, now that we've had a year, we're a year into this, and, and just this timestamp, I think it's March 12th of 2021. To your point, you know, one year ago, South Carolina had six sort of mm. recorded cases. You know, a lot, a lot of water's gone under the bridge. But you you said something earlier about, you know, you were certainly concerned with the public health aspects, with your, your, your team health and, and all the life changes that were occurring within within team members at Zverse. But you said something about the health of the company. How did the health of the company relate to sort of these very rapid uh, decisions that you were making, the, the need for capital, uh, finding capital, deploying it? Describe that process and what that was like to, to really be in tune with the health of your company? Um, wow. I mean, it was, <laughs> um, it, there was a time where we just really weren't sure. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have a clear line of sight as to mm. uh, who's going to survive this thing. Everybody is shutting down, you know, 40 survive million. Survive financially. Financially, because companies were you know, shutting down, mm -hmm. you know, manufacturing was shutting down, um, supply chains, everything was grounding to a halt. And, um, you know, the access to capital was, you know, the market had totally inverted mm -hmm. at the time. I mean, I was getting texts from uh, investors just saying, this is chaos is ensuing. And um, we knew we just had to act fast. I mean, you know, if you, if you don't keep moving, um, you know, then, you know, the inevitable, mm -hmm. um, you know, could look really bad. Uh, but for us, I mean, it was, it really wasn't an option. We sort of looked at, okay, um, you gotta take one or two paths and one was really uncertain. The other one was gonna require a lot of investment. Um, it could be uncertain, but you really just have to make a gut decision at the time. And that's, in situations like this, I think for so many people, that's what it boiled down to, right? It's just making gut decisions. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, talk out there of, of you know, decision-making processes, decision-making matrices, mm -hmm. you know, kind of these objective ways that, that are sort of cold and clinical, you know, that involve objective measures in terms of making decisions. But I think this is a... What I'm hearing is a great example of sometimes you just have to make a call. Yeah. Where did the confidence come from or, or the support come from to make that call? 
you know, one is experience. I think, um, you know, you're, when you're growing any company, you're constantly taking notes and benchmarking against things. And, um, and then, of course, I'm fortunate to have a really incredible group of uh, investors and shareholders and, and board members that, uh, you know, we are in constant communication of trying to, to solve these challenges. Um, but there was, and this is the first time, I think, for so many people, for literally everyone in the world, mm-hmm. where all the rules kind of went out the window. Right? I don't think you've ever seen a time in life where for the entire population that everything had to be reimagined and reimagined quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was truly life and death scenarios, both for people, but also for businesses. Well, so John, thinking back, I mean, now that you've been where you've been and you know what you know a, a year later, and, and certainly you guys have shipped, I think, safe to say millions of units mm-hmm. um, o- over that time. and, and uh, we're here, you know, in your facility. What what have you? What did the pandemic give to you that you didn't have, uh, other than maybe heartburn and stomach acid? But what did the pandemic give to you, in terms of being a founder and a CEO that you didn't have a year ago? Well, I know it's taken years off my life. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it hasn't given me more years, um, uh, but. I would say, you know, there's been just really so much, you know, I don't think we've even really taken stock yet of this past year, but uh, some of the, I guess, big takeaways I've had this year is that one, because the rule books were thrown out, you know, you do get a sense of um, when you're trying to make decisions, sometimes, uh, you know, everyone has, has, an opinion, right? And sure. you've got to sort of, you know, take those into consideration. And oftentimes, people have, you know, very uh, you know, certain ways of doing things, and it's a religion to them of this is how you do it, or this is how you do it. Uh, and in this scenario, I mean, so many decisions had to be made, you know, on the fly, you know, and using instinct, uh, and that certainly helped build a level of confidence of, you know, uh, just being able to make those decisions. Um, but, you know, and outside of that, I mean, some of the, one of the probably most amazing things uh, that came out of this was witnessing the, the people who kind of rallied around to solve problems. Like, I've never seen uh, a group of people um, who are all working remote now, um, doing things that they've never really done before, uh, and filling roles that they've never done before, uh, and becoming experts at it pretty quickly. Um, whether it was software engineers working on logistics to, um, you know, dealing with hospitals on. Uh, purchase managers, people that we've never had conversations with before and and that sort of thing. Uh, But I think everyone kind of developed a sense of confidence and competence in the last year, Uh, not just within our company, but it feels like uh, across the country. As a CEO, I mean, you mentioned that that 
concept of you know sort of people that are have a job if you will that are definitely uh, interacting in an area that would not be on their job description mm-hmm. what makes people do that responding I don't know I mean I think it's again just getting done what you got to get done um, you know I think that and people are still doing that you know today and it's you know, human nature is to survive, right? And um, and it's, I think you saw that this year with, you know, not just with companies like ourselves, but we look at like the restaurants and, um, you know, the tourism industry and uh, people are, everyone who's trying to reimagine, you know, their business and um, do what they can to, to survive. So now again, we are where we are. What 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 do you what's next for Zverse? Where where are you guys headed um, as as things stand right now? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, we during you know most people know us now of as this company that created this unique face shield. Yeah, you're right? the face shield guys. Yeah, right. And uh, which is funny um, to see people in Hollywood wearing this thing that we was not even thought of a year ago. Right. Um, but we, our core business has grown also because, partly because of the recognition that we've uh, uh, gained, but also because of the need uh, with supply chains uh, needing to be reimagined now. And so our business, you know, moving forward, I mean, we will continue to solve problems that are related to uh, the pandemic. I mean, we live now in a world of sensors and barriers moving forward. I think attitudes uh, for, you know, particularly the age group of like my children. I mean, I have two daughters that are 14 and 12 and, you know, you can't have 40 million kids go home one day and not be impacted by that. Uh, There are sort of attitudes towards hygiene and viruses and things like that. So we'll continue to innovate around um, uh, that area, but really our core business has, uh, which is exciting, is solving the supply chain issue. And I think one of the things that we witnessed this year as well, I guess probably one of the biggest uh, lessons that everyone uh, had this year is how vulnerable we are with a linear analog supply chain Mm. that is single sourced and largely um, comes from one area of the the world. Mm. And when that breaks down, you know, when that source breaks down, uh, it causes a tremendous amount of pain. Mm. And I think everyone now is really understanding what getting an appreciation also for sustainability, uh, not just sustainability in the sense of uh, carbon emissions, right? But right. sustainability in the sense of what can we produce on our own and how can we reduce waste in our manufacturing processes, in our you know transportation and everything else. Um, so those are big sort of macro trends right now that uh, are going to come out of this that we're aiming to solve. Uh, 
We're right now talking to a lot of companies that have just enormous catalogs of two-dimensional data for parts that may be service parts, you know, or we call them legacy parts. So think about a company that has equipment that may be 50 years old and they need to repair uh, parts. And they can do that with 3D printing and digital manufacturing, but they have to have the CAD data for it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, our technology, we believe, is going to be a catalyst for a digital transformation in, in the manufacturing sector. And that's something we're excited about. That's exciting to, that is exciting to hear that that not only, you know, after you, you made sort of this, this um, almost maybe a permanent pivot uh, into the injection moldings away from, uh, or in addition to the, the drawings and, and the kind of being an aid to manufacturing that um, it sounds like there's a there's a pretty large market for what you guys are, are doing and it's just more about, and, and that maybe the pandemic was sort of a wake up call for manufacturers to say, oh wow, you know, not only do we need to watch out for sourcing and manufacturing, but even down to the basic building blocks, literally, of what they make. Yeah. And I think that's uh, an interesting footnote here uh, in, in this conversation that, you know, manufacturing is more than just making stuff. You know, it is making stuff. That's what we as consumers, you know, see and, and hear and, 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 you know, the different spheres, the political sphere and stuff get involved in, you know, the ribbon cuttings and the handshaking. But I think, you know, you, you've um, lived and breathed this for so long that, you know, if people only knew what was sort of below the surface there, that there's far more below the surface than, than what is actually seen when the box arrives with the stuff in it. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> what's it's interesting, the, when I used to think about sustainability, I would envision, you know, like tree hugging or something. That's mm -hmm. kind of the where people Sometimes it gets politicized uh, to some degree about uh, some sustainability measures, right? But, um, and what's been in the news a lot of several years is about has been this climate Paris, uh, the Paris Climate Agreement. And what's really interesting, um, there's some components to that that is, yes, it's about, you know, reducing carbon emissions, but it's also about uh, reducing waste uh, in the products that we make mm -hmm. and getting away from a total linear disposable uh, sort of product cycle where I buy something, something on that product breaks. Instead of repairing that part, I throw the whole thing away. It goes to a landfill and then I buy a whole new product. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're going to you're gonna see a move towards more sustainability, not just because of climate change, which is important, but really for sustainability so that we can make things that we need and we we don't have to depend on um, you know, a foreign country for it. Well, and maybe this is a conversation for another day, but it reminds me of you know what I think a lot of people experience, say with with home appliances, you know, especially the expensive <laughs> ones. You know, right. something breaks yeah. and you call for the repair or something, and and you know, basically the the technician just comes along and says, you know what, you should just get a new one. Right. In other words, either because the parts aren't there, it wasn't designed to be repaired. Right. Um, it was designed so that you know you wouldn't have to pay a lot of money to to get it out the door and to get the sale, so to speak. But I think that maybe that sort of goes to speaking to some of 
what you're you're talking about is that they're sort of not only renewed, like sustainability covers a wide gamut. Mm-hmm. And we think about sort of this throwaway mentality that especially in the first world that, that we have because we've made products so inexpensively, which means probably unable to be repaired, unable to, you know, so if it breaks, you just, just toss it and yeah. get a new one. Well, it sounds like uh, there, there are bright days ahead for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like sometimes these horrible things like a pandemic can be a, a real turning point. And it's, it's great to have a conversation with someone who has been able to sort of surf that wave, for lack of a better word. And I'm pretty sure there were days when you felt like you were taking in more water than you were uh, <laughs> you know, leaving, yeah. leaving behind you there. But um, thank you for sitting down with us and having this conversation. Um, it was really interesting. I think it's gonna help some people. Great. Thanks for coming. Thank you.